Kia namaskar everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. I have a very special guest, um, Dada Daneshananda is joining me from Nigeria. Um, Dada, Dada, I've known Dada for many years. Actually, he's um, uh, been a Dada since 1977, so 44 years. And um, throughout that time, uh, as well as doing these most amazing projects, he's also been, he's also a passionate music lover. And many times I have sent my albums to him to review because I really trust his opinion so much. So it's really lovely to have him speaking to us today. So Namaskar Dada, thank you so much for joining us. Namaskar. <laughs> um, so normally I ask um, the question first about your, your background and uh, how you came to be a Dada, for example, and just a little bit about how yeah, where you're from and so forth. And good evening. Oh, it's good morning in your place. Yeah. But um, yeah, good evening from Nigeria. Uh, I became uh, Dada in 1977 after learning meditation first in 1974. Hmm. Uh, before that, I was sort of like politically oriented. I was in the Communist Youth Party. And um, one friend introduced me to meditation. And then not just a few months after I first learned about meditation, I got initiated into Ananda Marga and, uh, and uh, decided at an early age uh, to become a Dada. And uh, I, my first assignment was in the United States. Mm -hmm. So I also worked in the Caribbean islands later on in, uh, also in Southeast Asia, stayed a while in New York City. Hmm. Came to Africa in 2000. 2000. And, uh, hmm. That's 21 years I'm in Africa. Wow. And uh, you have some amazing projects going on there at the moment. You have you're talking about projects to do with reproductive health, and I know you've sent out some very interesting stories about different women and children that you've helped. And uh, I was wondering if you wanted to share a few of those stories. Okay, uh, I have to pick out some specific yeah. stories. Um, there's so many, no? I, yeah. I, since we came to Nigeria in 2010, uh, in the health centers, which are like rural, yeah. remote areas, we've had uh, more than 21,000 births. Wow. Um, so that's uh, a lot of babies. Um, yeah. And we, we are in the part of the world with the biggest number of tr twins and triplets more oh, than wow. anywhere else in the world. So, oh, that's interesting. So there's so many, there's so many, uh, so many stories. So um, mm -hmm. uh, before I came here, I hadn't seen triplets in my life. I had seen two twins. But, yeah. uh, since I came here in our health centers, we have uh, helped to receive, give birth to more than 10 sets of triplets. And that's uh, very special. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of the, like our slogan here is every life counts. Mm -hmm. And so even though, of course, the majority of the births are, uh, are, uh, go well yeah. and, uh, and uh, there's no serious complications but uh, uh, we have focused specifically on the 
emergency obstetric care. Yeah. And that means uh, when there are complications, we we are ready to uh, uh, provide uh, the assistance so that uh, uh, we can help to save the lives of the baby and the mother. So you have many, uh, you have you have wonderful teams, obviously helping. Yes. In your health centers. Yes, we have uh, we have uh, sixteen midwives working full time. We have more than uh, hundred and fifty nurses, mm. uh, sixteen doctors, mm. family planning, mm-hmm. counselors, uh, health educators, laboratory, medical lab scientists. You know, we have oh. ambulances, so we have like ambulance drivers <laughs> and yeah. other drivers to take the staff to the villages. Mm. Yeah, so we have a, a very big team and a very wonderful team. Yeah. Well, I was wondering, would you like to share one experience that you've had, maybe with the triplets <laughs> yeah, or sure. the twins? <laughs> yeah, I, I, should, I should have prepared some stories. Well, um, <laughs> I can remember... Um, um, I remember the, just about exactly one year ago, mm-hmm. there was a, a woman who gave birth at home near one of our health centers. And yeah. she suffered what is known as retained placenta. That means the yes. placenta didn't come out, yes. out after the baby came out. And uh, the men in the village came to the health center of Ohagelede in the night at like 1 a.m. Yeah. And they said that the woman was in such a condition that she couldn't be carried, you know, they, they oh. couldn't transport her. Yeah. So the midwife uh, uh, called the, uh, one of our ambulances and then they rushed there together with a few health workers. They were able to transport her. Yeah, and she was. They found her lying in a pool of her own blood. And oh God! If they had delayed more, she would have bled to death because retained placenta can means the the uterus will not contract properly and uh, the, the bleeding will continue. Mm. Wow. And uh, when she came there, some of the health workers were able to donate blood right away. And, wow! Uh, and uh, the woman's life was saved, and the baby is fine. So. Wow. I've seen her a couple of times since then, and it's just uh, <laughs> so nice to know that you are you are looking at a baby, you're looking at a, <laughs> a mother, you know, yeah. who, who might not have lived if not wow. haven't been there. That's so amazing. that's just the first uh, first story that comes to my mind. Wow, it's incredible, Dada. Another, another story that comes to mind now. Uh, just uh, a week ago, we had. There's a strike going on in Niger- in Nigeria at this time, a doctor strike. You know, the doctors want yeah. better terms and better pays, and sometimes they go on strike. And so the major hospitals are on, you know, the government hospitals. Uh, they don't receive patients, and they don't. Wow. They are not open for service. So one woman from one corner of the state uh, went to one of these. Uh, to the government health center, the you know the what they call the federal teaching hospital, yeah. and she was rejected. They drove her away because they are not in the position to receive. And uh, she uh, 
she heard about one of the health centers that Amert operates, where, which is also an uh, emergency obstetric referral center. That means they have resident doctors and facilities for performing like emergency uh, surgeries, like cesarean yeah. section. Yeah. So she went in a what we call a kick and up. Uh, it, it's like what in India you call auto rickshaw, a three wheeler. Oh, oh, oh. So he went for like uh, almost 45 minutes in the three wheeler and to this center and uh, oh. when she arrived they found like uh, not only that she had a ruptured uterus oh, and God. she had two previous cesarean sections and the tear was was like a very severe one going down to the vagina oh. and she had um, it was an extremely difficult uh, case and uh, we had to send emergency blood three times that day and we even had to get a consultant that means like a very experienced surgeon to come there and wow. well, uh, her life was saved the baby was lost but her life was saved uh, oh, wow. even though she was without vital signs for a long time just sustained by the blood so we have this wow. kind of um, medical emergencies or from time to time actually very regularly and it, it's good that we fill the gap here because uh, apart from the big uh, uh, federal teaching hospital none of the hospitals that come under the government jurisdiction are reliable referral centers for obstetric emergencies so this is something that we, we didn't do from the beginning but we saw the gap in yeah. emergency obstetric services so we started that wow that's a Brand new story, just a week old story. Wow. Obviously, it, it requires a lot of help financially and so forth. Is is that coming from Amert that helped Ada? Yes. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes, we uh, uh, we have an emergency fund. Uh, and uh, we have like a fundraising campaign called Every Life Counts every, every uh, December and January. And last year, we were able... Uh, on the last campaign, we were able to re raise a total of seventy-five thousand mm. dollars, and uh, we uh, we use it exclusively for emergency uh, medical interventions for children and mothers. So, in addition to the obstetric emergencies and newborn emergencies, uh, we also help to sponsor pediatric surgeries. Um, uh, most of them life-saving or other yeah. very crude uh, children that have conditions that if not addressed they can become life-threatening yes. or they're already life-threatening so that's a, a nice thing i mean we what we do is a, a development project we build capacity we involve the community you know we try to mm -hmm. create self-reliance as much as possible yeah uh, in the villages but we also have this, uh, we can say, charitable or humanitarian aspect where, you know, we uh, we go to great lengths to save uh, lives. We don't hesitate, you know, yeah. to spend money yeah. when uh, lives are, uh, are at risk. Yeah. That's amazing. Is there anything else about the project you'd like to share? Uh, one of the, the key things uh, is... Um, or what shall we say, what, uh, what is special about uh, our model is that it's a broad partnership. We work with government mm -hmm. and we also 
work with, uh, shall we say, the private sector. Uh, our finances come, uh, like uh, more than 90% comes from the private sector. That means business, corporate yeah. donations mm -hmm. from Nigeria. And uh, about 10%, 5 to 10% comes from overseas yes. through our chapters in, in uh, developed countries. But uh, at the heart of this strategy is community participation. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, where we work, uh, we work on invitation, actually. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have, we have like a name and uh, we are well known. So communities apply for our intervention and then yeah. we make assessments and then uh, we take our decision on the basis of the need and mm -hmm. uh, that means uh, the we confirm the lack of access to uh, primary health care services. Yeah. And then secondly, on the community commitment. We yeah. want to see that the community is ready to invest themselves mm. in making the, the like a new, in creating like a new health center, a new clinic, or we can say a new hospital. And uh, we want to... We want to see that they are fully behind the project, that they consider it a, a priority. Yeah. And then we move. And then in our model, we we, we get some uh, staff from the government, but mm -hmm. we additional staff to ensure 24-hour service. Mm -hmm. We recruit as far as possible from the local community. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is like a key part of our our uh, our model that sets us apart from most uh, government uh, health centers. Is that the staff is mostly made up with people from the immediate community. That means they speak their dialect. Yeah. They yeah. they they know the 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 patients, the women there, and uh, it facilitates uh, good communications and helps to create community confidence in the yeah. health center, mm. which then will increase or promote the, the patronage. So this community, this strong community participation, the sense of ownership from the community, that means that the health centers are actually community owned and community managed. The health yeah. center, the community also is central in managing the health. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really wonderful work, Dada. Very inspiring and so sounds so necessary in that part of the world. How is it for you coming from, you know, you're coming from Norway originally, right? Working in other That's countries right. and working in Western countries and being there. How is it for you, Dara, personally? Well, I, I love it, no? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, it gives me a lot of meaning. <laughs> yeah. It gives a lot of content in my <laughs> life. And, uh, it's very fulfilling. Yeah. So I feel uh, blessed. I feel privileged to have these opportunities to... Uh, to work with a team and to make an impact in the lives of people. You know, we are in Ebony State in Nigeria, and uh, Nigeria has 36 states. Mm. And uh, in uh, um, statistics published last year, where we are is the fourth poorest state. Mm. Mm. We have 79% yeah. of the population is under the poverty line. Yeah, wow. And, uh, and we are working in the poorest areas of this state, yeah. in remote areas with very little road access, and uh, or with no road access, some <laughs> of them. And yeah. uh, and uh, they're also sort of border areas. That means like they neighbor to uh, 
and other states. Mm. So they're like neglected areas. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. For, so for me, I uh, from the first time I when I was working in the U.S. and I had a chance to visit the Caribbean islands, more specifically Haiti and Dominican Republic. Yeah. Once I had that experience <laughs> in my life, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that. Uh, to work in the developing countries, to spend time in the villages, and to to uh, try to you know do something good. Those who have been neglected and forgotten. Uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. So I I love being in Africa. I love Africa. <laughs> Happy to be here. There's no other place I'd rather be. There's no other work I'd rather. Do. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> And Dada, I know that music is one of the things that you love also. I know you listen to a huge variety, a broad spectrum of music styles. Maybe it does it help you through your day when you're having to face, you know, very risky situations. How is it for you? Yeah, well, I, it's sort of like an addiction that started when I was like six or seven, something like that. I, uh, I, I like pop music of all sorts and. Uh, you know, I like all kinds of music, really. Uh, yeah. I have the music I didn't like. I sort of teach myself to to like, uh, and uh, so that uh, I'm trying to throw whatever uh, prejudices I have about different sorts of music music out of the window, so that I can get a chance to appreciate the gifts and the beauty of the different styles of music. So yeah, I, I think that. Uh, you know the the work here is intense. Uh, you know I have a dealing with life in that situation yeah. on a daily basis, yeah. and uh, it's a big team to manage. Yeah. Uh, trying to understand how to finance all these things and keep it going. So I, uh, <laughs> I it's good for me to uh, suspend my mind into the world of music. Uh, yeah. Regularly. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, would you like to comment on one particular band or um, genre that you're passionate well, about? You know, I, I sort of jump from one thing to the other, mm. mm-hmm. you know, every yeah. day or every week. I can tell you the music that fascinates me, like in the last days, Yeah. if you want. Yeah, yeah sure. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a new album by a British rapper called Little Sims. This is sometimes I might be introvert is the name of the album i think it's quite brilliant and i've been following her uh, since she started some years ago and she's one of the the best female rappers or, or best oh, yeah. rappers all, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. around and the last one this new album is very well produced and very catchy i think it can open doors to for people who are generally not interested in hip-hop or or rap i've been listening to that lately and what's and her name? Dada, what's her name again? I didn't catch it. Little Sims. Little Sims. She's from London. Okay. Okay, perfect. And another artist that's fascinating me lately is a fellow called Darren Heyman. He's um he's a British, I guess you can call him indie musician yeah. and mm-hmm. he was the leader of an uh, indie band in the 90s late 90s called Hefner that's some attention yeah but he just has the most extraordinary kinds of productions and um, mm. like recently he put out an album called 12 astronauts and there's one <laughs> song man who walked on the moon 
and it's like uh, it gets into the person, like sort of the human side of, of the astronauts, you know, their struggles and fears and yeah. ambitions yeah. and so on. It's a very fascinating album called Astronauts <laughs> by David Heyman. And he made, he made like three albums called Thankful Villages. And he researched all the villages that had all their soldiers come back from the war front in World War One and World War Two. Yeah. And then he made three albums with about 20 songs each. And the songs are named after each of these villages. And then he uses like uh, instrumentals, uh, songs, some pop songs, some folk songs. And then, uh, like, um, so sounds uh, like uh, field recordings, you know, yeah. where old people tell stories and so on. Yeah. So it's like a fascinating journey into those things. And he has one of socialist chants, you know, coming from, like, communist youth party uh, background. I, I love these sort of romantic uh, socialist anthems, you know, yeah. uh, songs. I, I like those things. He has one about swimming pools, one album about swimming pools. He <laughs> 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 does like electronic stuff, you know, futuristic things. He does a lot of strange things. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, uh, since you asked me what I'm listening to now, so I, I'm interested in, I'm very interested in this artist. He's called Darren Heyman. Oh, that sounds fascinating, Dara. I'll definitely look that up. You know, he's not all that famous, but he, he, no. he deserves to be famous. Yeah, it's true. Maybe so, now, after this, after this, your podcast, he'll be famous. All <laughs> 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 well, they say that Bach was not popular either when he was alive. People used to think he was all quite right. quite conservative, and look how look how amazing he was. So hope. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dada. Oh, I'd just like to quickly ask um, if you have any experiences with Kirtan that you'd like to share. I can say that those of you who love Kirtan and mm. you experience the bliss of Kirtan, mm. you haven't really experienced the bliss of Kirtan until you experience African Kirtan. True. Uh, when uh, the pandemic uh, retreat uh, starts to recede and uh, jump on the plane and, and join uh, one of the retreats in the Congo or mm, particularly mm -hmm. in uh, places like Ivory Coast or Ghana mm -hmm. yeah. and experiencing African Kirtan. And uh, it is extremely happy, extremely uplifting. And uh, I, I have a fantastic experience with African Kirtan in the Kirtan retreats we have. In fact, I, I've actually invited and Ashok and a Rawa band to come to the Kirtan Academy next month to share their Kirtans and their experiences. From, uh, from Congo? Congo. From Congo. Yeah, I've invited him to come with his group. So I'm really looking okay. forward to that. Well, thank you so much, Dada. I really appreciate that. Really do. Thank you so much. And thank you <laughs> for inviting me. <laughs> Thank you so much. And any, if anybody's listening to this would really like to help with Dada's projects, um, you can get in touch with Dada on Facebook, right? Yes, you can get on Facebook. And uh, we have our campaign in December and January. So if you want to contribute, you can hold it until December and January because we will have matching funds. Anyone mm -hmm. who gives $100 becomes $200. Wow, that sounds amazing. $100 becomes $2. You give $1,000, it becomes $1,000. Wow.
So that's only in December. In December, January. And that started donation under on Facebook and elsewhere. So thank you, Dada. Thank you again so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Namaskar. Bye-bye, no more. Give it a more.